Welcome to Esports Odyssey, a podcast dedicated to making esports simpler by breaking it down and learning from the best. On this show, we talk to successful people within the esports ecosystem to see what sets them apart from the rest of us. Today, we've got on the show Noisy um, with a background in actually in speedrunning, uh, H1Z1, Fortnite, uh, probably a lot of games that I might not even know about or that I'm forgetting. And now, today uh an active competitor in valorant hey hey nosy hey what's up how's uh how's everything going with uh with your with your valorant career today everything is going good it's going a bit better than i expected like i decided to quit my job and go all in on valorant so i'm doing this full time and so far it's going good i'm very happy with how things are going and i I can't wait to see what's going to happen when the game actually comes out awesome happy to hear that um let's uh let's go a little bit further back uh then or actually let's go to the very beginning um you know when you were seven eight nine years old uh or whenever it was uh, what is it that got you into games and when was that um i think my earliest like gaming memories was when i was around four like my uncle had a ps1 so i always played like crash bandicoot spyro and those kind of games but when i was four i got a nintendo 64 from my uncle uh, and my first game was actually super mario 64 uh, on that console on that system and ever since then i've been gaming like later on i got a ps2 like a playstation 2 from my parents i think i was like eight or nine or something uh, so I always grew up around games. Um, I did other things as well, like I did sports, I did basketball, I did skateboarding for many years. But I always had games around me, and it's it's been part of my entire life, pretty much. Okay. Uh, did you, when it came to the to the sports, did you play any of those sort of competitively? I was always competitive, but. I never did them at like a really high level, if that makes sense. Like I just, mm. I just did sports like any other kid, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. So you, you never, you never went and played in in any sort of teams or anything. No, not really. No. Well, I, I was playing for like lower teams, if that makes sense. But it, it never felt serious. Like it just felt like something to do. Like it was fun because mm. my friends were doing it as well. But it was never serious at that level. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So after um, after your um, Super Super Mario days, how uh, how did your sort of gaming career progress from there? Uh, you mean like from the earliest days, or yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what were you, what was your your earliest uh, game that you sort of really got into? Well, I started playing World of Warcraft when I was eight. Uh, which is also <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I was eight. Uh, it was by the end of Vanilla. And wow. I I put so much time into that game. Like I played it consistently for like over eight years. Um, I really enjoyed the game, and I mean, I was eight. I didn't really know English, and I think I think most of my English skills actually come from World of Warcraft because I remember when I was eight, I didn't understand anything, but I wanted to play with people in my guild. I wanted to do dungeons. I wanted to raid. I wanted to do all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So like as an eight year old, like I kind of forced myself to learn English, and then eventually, like I got really really good at it, and I could you know communicate with with everyone on ventrilo uh, i could write you know it was amazing yep. and I, I played that game so much uh, and and at this time i also did the console gaming like 
you know, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, whatever. Um, but mainly I played World of Warcraft and I played a lot of games on Steam. Like, I didn't, never got into, like, Counter-Strike 1.6, but I played a lot of Source as a kid. I did, like, B-hopping and surfing and stuff. I never, like, played it competitively. Mm. I played a lot of Team Fortress 2. I love that game so much. Uh, sadly, it's it's in a bad state and it just sucks yeah. right now. But it's it's a game that I grew up with and I really, really enjoyed playing it. So what got you into, from there, what kind of started you off on, on Twitch, I guess, uh, and, and sort of streaming, and was that, was that speedrunning? Was, was that the first thing that you sort of did in the, in the public eye? Yeah, I think so. Like, I remember I made my Twitch account in 2012, and by the end of the year, I saw, I saw Awesome Games Done Quick, 2013, and I saw Siglamic do the 120-star speedrun, and... Super Mario 64 being one of my first like personally owned games, uh, I thought that I wanted to try it myself. Uh, so there's a category in the game which is where you collect 16 stars and then you finish the game. And I decided to do a stream on the 5th of February 2013. And the plan was to just try to do the speedrunning thing for like a week or two and then never ever do it again and never stream again or anything like that. Uh, and I mean, seven years later, I'm still live on twitch so it's <laughs> it's been wild do you still do any speedrunning today uh you know just for fun or or once in a while or um no 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 uh the last time i did it i think i did um there was this event this year called uh, break the record live maybe you heard about that or saw it um hosted by esa uh before that i did some speedruns just to get back into it because i was commentating over uh over the 120 star speedruns that that the big boys were doing uh cheese simply and those guys uh but no like i actively don't do it i love watching it but i never mm. really have time to sit down and just do it for fun like it never happens i haven't done it actively since i think 2015 2015 so what happened in 2015 um i had been speedrunning for about two and a half years um and i've been playing i was playing like super mario 64 every single day and at some point, it just gets really old because old games, they don't really get patched. Um, there's not really new things coming out unless someone discovers something new, like a new glitch or a new trick or, you know, a new time saver that saves two, three seconds. Um, and it got really stale playing. Like, you know, you try to beat someone else's time, but you're playing, you're alone and you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and nothing's really different. I, I really started missing this this PvP environment uh instead of just playing as a clock so so i just stopped i just stopped with the whole speedrunning thing i wasn't really sure what to do uh i started playing more csgo i started playing more league of legends um i was basically trying to find myself in the scene um and then eventually there was um the overwatch beta i think came out in late 2015 so i played that a lot because you know i love team fortress 2 so much and this was a new hero shooter that everyone was excited about it was blizzard uh world warcraft was pretty big so you know at that point you could trust them um in my opinion and um yeah i was just waiting for the next big thing to happen and then during this time as well uh i discovered my love for battle royale games uh there was this game called the culling which was uh it was a battle royale game you you were 16 people on a map and the big thing about this game compared to games like h1z1 uh arma 2 3 is that the game was focused on melee combat, so it was essentially like a rock, paper, scissors system. Uh, and I got really, really good at that game, like really, really good. And I actually, that's how I found like Battle Royale games. 
Um, but the game died after like three months, which kind of sucks because the developers did some wrong choices. Uh, and then Overwatch came out, and I think that was the start of this whole esports thing. Like, I went all in from day one. Uh, I played the game so much every single day, bounced from different teams, and I consistently played it for about one year. I quit around the time where the Overwatch League was announced, because I think at that point the game kind of started going downhill. But that, that was my start in esports, day one of Overwatch. Okay, and then and then when the Overwatch League was announced and you stopped playing Overwatch... Uh, was that was that also around the time Fortnite was that out that uh, mm, yet then? No, that was uh, the Orch League was announced by the end of 2016, um, right. and I quit in I think it was December or January. Uh, I think it was January 2017. I actually quit to go play H1Z1, right? Because um, you know I enjoyed Battle Royale so much. Uh, Orch wasn't really. It wasn't going well for me, so and I was really enjoying H1Z1 at the time. This was around season two or season three, which is uh, the two seasons that people think were the best in H1Z1. And uh, I went all in on that game as well. And uh, I think that was the first time where I actually, let's say, made it in esports, if that makes sense. Um, I think you were, uh, I think you were there at that Dreamhack Winter 2017. It was the $250,000 tournament in H1Z1. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, and I got invited to the solo qualifiers and for the team's qualifiers as well. And I qualified for both of the finals. So I think that I was remember. like, yeah. that was my first time like playing in a serious, like big land environment. Um, and that was the first time where I really felt that this esports thing could really work out for me and uh do you, was uh was that a big challenge for you did that feel very different kind of playing in a big land environment uh you know nerves and all that mm, i was i wasn't nervous at all the only time where i felt really really nervous on, on in that land was when i felt that we could win our matches like you know when there's two teams left and you're one of those teams and you're just hoping to win the game that was that was the only time where i felt nervous because in the qualifiers i remember uh so basically you played two games in solos and you played two games or it was i think it was three games in solos and two games in teams and the team's qualifiers was the most important one for me because that's yep. that was the main game mode at the lan uh in game one we lost our game really really early we barely got any points um and in game two which we we knew we needed to win the game uh, one of our teammates, he jumped into... Because in H1Z1, you can drive vehicles, you can jump into cars and stuff like that. And those mm. those are mainly used for rotations from circle to circle and stuff like that. Uh, and one of my teammates, he jumps into a car and he can't jump out. Because uh, H1Z1 was like a very buggy or glitchy game. There was a lot of issues with the game, but he couldn't jump out of the car. So three admins, uh, they go to his PC and they try to do something to get him out, but he couldn't. And then eventually... Mm he dies to the toxic gas and we're four people left, you know, all other teams are alive and we just claw our way back and eventually we won the game. And the, the only time I really felt nervous was right before we were about to win that game. Cause I realized that this is our chance to make it to the finals. Mm. Uh, but other than that, I don't, I don't really feel nerves at land. I only, I only really feel nervous or a bit shaky when I know that we're that, if everything goes right, we're about to win. That's the only time where I start feeling feeling something, you know. But before that, it's just my screen and the game, and I just really, really enjoy doing it. So I don't really feel nervous. I don't get shaky or anything like that. Okay. Uh, do, do you also not feel um, 
you know, a lot of people usually talk about uh, sort of a positive nervousness, sort of a, a, a bigger drive to perform in a, in a scenario like that. Uh, I, I personally, I'm like that where I, I only play really well when I feel like something's on the line. Yeah, like, of course, like I, I feel, I don't know if I could describe it as nervousness, but I feel like it's, it's like a time where you need to perform and there is extra pressure for sure. But it's I, I it's like an enjoyable feeling in a way like it's it's nice it's fun like it mm. makes it makes it more enjoyable and more fun to play uh, when there's something on the line and it's and it's so serious. Yep. No, for sure. Okay, so um, so going from H1Z1, uh, you then went went over to uh, to play Fortnite, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and you played uh, you played Fortnite for for how long? Um. Uh, two and a half years i think and the majority of that time you were signed with method is that correct yeah yeah for about two years yeah so how was how was that was that the first uh professional esports org you were signed with uh we were signed in during h1z1 like for the land we were signed with uh, an org card called myth i don't think that org is a thing anymore but we were specifically signed to them just for the event uh they mm. covered all expenses living and stuff like that um, but Method was the first like serious org uh, that I was signed to, and it's actually kind of funny because before the tournament at Dreamhack Winter 2017, um, there was the closed beta or alpha of Fortnite, you know, where you had to buy the 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 PVE game, Save the World, in order to play the Battle Royale. Uh, the game was originally supposed to be buy to play; they never intended it to be free to play. Uh, but I bought that and I played some games of Fortnite and, and I wrote the game off instantly. Like the game was way too easy. It was too childish. It was too cartoony. Mm. I was running around dropping 20 kill wins because in H1, uh, the goal of the game, like when you're playing alone or just doing like climbing the ladder, it's just about getting high kill wins. So I was doing the exact same thing in Fortnite and the game was just way too easy. So I went back to H1 and at Dreamhack Winter 2017, I met two of my friends, uh, Martin Creek and I met Silas. And mm. both of them were grinding Fortnite and they told me, they were like, why are you playing H1Z1? Fortnite is, is going to be the next big thing and you should just play it with us. Like, we're, we're really good at the game and you should give it a shot. And I, I told them, I was like, the game is a joke. Like, it's it's way too easy. I'm going to keep on playing H1. And then after the LAN, uh, the H1Z1 Pro League was announced and the game just started going downhill. Like, the game just tanked. And then Martin mm. messaged me on Discord um, I think it was around, I think it was December the 5th, 2017. He just messages me and he goes, uh, we have a team, we have one spot left. Are you down to play or what are your plans? And I just told him like, I'm down, let's go all in. And ever since then, I was just grinding Fortnite every day. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and, and now, and now you're, now you're on to, uh, to Valorant. Um, so you've made, you've made a lot of these a lot of these transitions across across your your time playing and obviously um besides besides the speed running uh it's all been it's all been fps right yeah um, pretty much uh fps or third person shooters it's always been shooters basically but uh you know it's still it's still very different games and uh to be honest it's very different skill sets too right uh, for i mean fortnite Fortnite is a very different type of game from Valorant, uh, even even just when it comes to the the aiming portion of the game. So, um, how how do you do it? What do you have? Do you have any any kind of secret tricks? Anything that you you do when you tackle a new game? 
I think you just, I don't know, I just have a very, very competitive mindset. Like, I'm super serious at what I do. Like, I don't really, if, I, if I'm going to play a game, uh, it's kind of rare that I only do it for fun. Like, because I find so much joy in competing and being serious in games and just getting better and, you know, seeing yourself develop and, and getting better day by day. And whenever I go into a new game, I just, I'm, I'm so serious about it. So I just try to find, you know, I try to understand all the mechanics. I try to find all the little things and I try to learn from every, every single mistake. Uh, another thing is that I really like watching people are really good at what they do. Like who, if I go into H1Z1, for example, when I, when, when I went in at the start, uh, I was watching really good players such as Stormen. Uh, at the time, he was just absolutely insane at H1Z1. And I, I kind of tried to mimic stuff that they do uh because i think that mimicking really good players is really good because if they make a play and you realize a situation where you can make that play uh and you do it you uh, you first of all you learn it you learn you learn why it works and and how you should do it uh because you know when you mimic something you don't really understand why it works but you, it also helps you with understanding how the game works you know if, if a pro makes a decision in a situation and you do the same thing uh, eventually you start understanding why they do it and then you can kind of you mimic their play style but you also add in your own play style and you make everything your own if that makes sense so yep you know you see it in csgo you see it in league of legends you know a lot of up-and-coming players they they copy a lot of things that the pros are doing but they mix in their own style and that's how how they get on top eventually when they try to catch up we'd like to thank our partners at elgato without whom this podcast wouldn't be possible they provided much of the equipment used for all of our recording sessions. Elgato is the leading provider of hardware and software for content creators, leveraging decades of experience to develop widely accessible products that empower all creators to produce high-quality, professional content. Elgato has provided us with a reliable 4K 60 Pro capture card, professional key light lighting, and a customizable stream deck, enabling us to pull off pretty much anything we can think of. Head over to Elgato.com to see their full product line. Do you have, other than watching people, do you have any process to, you know, find out uh, new information, find find out these these little things? Uh, I really like sitting in custom games. Like, for example, in Valorant right now, there's different agents with different abilities and different synergies and stuff like that uh there's three different maps right now and i just enjoy you know off stream just in my old time going into a custom game uh, trying different ca uh, characters trying different spots just imagining different plays that you can do in my head and then when it's game time i just try these things that i thought about and to see if they actually work or not um so i really just mm -hmm. enjoy you know just just going in and finding the little things in games uh doesn't specifically need to be in a custom game i feel like even if I'm playing ranked or if I'm playing um, playing some games like overall with friends or whatever. Uh, in a tournament, it's kind of rare for me to try new things unless I, I see a potential play that I can make. Mm. Uh, but if I'm just playing the game, I just really, really like trying new things, even if it's in ranked. That's something that I think that people are too scared to do. You know, they play ranked. Uh, they get this ladder anxiety that people talk about and they just really want to win and they want to play consistent and stuff like that. Um, people are pretty scared to try new things and I mean if you see a potential play I think it's worth to do it because if it works you can analyze afterwards why it worked and if it doesn't work then you can do the same thing you just track back and see okay it didn't work this time mm -hmm. but maybe if it played out like this then it would have worked 
But yeah. I think not being scared to try new things, even if it's if even if there's something on the line, you know, for a lot of people, ranked is pretty serious. Um, that's also a way to go about it because you grow as a player when you do that. For sure, for sure, you do. Um, and this this sort of um, knack for trying trying out things on your own and sitting in custom lobbies. Do you feel like there is a connection there between? your past and speedrunning, where obviously you do a lot of that, right? You, you always try and figure out the little things of, of how to break the game. Uh, you know, uh, obviously um, a lot of speedrunners, a lot of my speedrunner friends have told me in the past, you know, a, a one second time save is usually a huge thing. And it doesn't seem like that to many people. Yeah, like you, <laughs> I, ha I have the same mindset as I had when I was speedrunning. Like I see the tiniest of things and, you know, if it saves me one second or if it does 10 extra damage to another player you know it's it's always worth it in my opinion i love just finding these tiny things and tiny details and i definitely have that with me from from my speedrunning days for sure hmm okay and uh and when you uh when you started when you started playing your first game uh competitively I i'm guessing you would probably say that's h1z1 right where you actually played at a at sort of a pro level I played at a really high level in in Overwatch as well. I was like I was top five hundred every season I played in ranked. Uh, right. I played in there a lot of different tournaments. So I, honestly, that was my start with everything. There you go. So in Overwatch, um, and maybe you know maybe this has happened uh, to you across multiple games. Uh, did you when you when you were playing those games? Did you ever feel like there was a breaking point? You know, a, a point where it just made click. And and suddenly you you felt like you were much better at the game than you were before. I actually never I've never felt that where it's just like one click you know, like just one day everything just falls into place and suddenly you're way mm. better. I feel like it's it's more of like a progressive journey where you get slightly better every day. Mm. Um, you know, at the start, uh, if you have the right mindset, you know, if you if you don't tilt and if you have a learner's mindset where you learn from every mistake and. You look at other players, you vod review, you mimic and stuff like that. You know, you, you have rapid growth at the start. Like the first couple of months, it's just it's just mm. up. But at some point you plateau and breaking that level is what I think is kind of hard uh, when it comes to competitive gaming. Because at some point you just, you play so much and you do the same things, you vod review and you learn it, but you don't feel like you're improving as much as you used to. Uh, you feel yep. like things are getting stale, you know, pe people are catching up to your skill level, people are getting ahead of you. Just breaking that is, I think that is probably one of the toughest things to do. And uh, and and how do you do it? <laughs> I mean, you just have to take it one day at a time. Uh, mm. You know, VOD reviewing yourself becomes very critical at that point. When you plateau, it's really, really important to to just record your own gameplay and go through that at the end of the day. You know, you don't have to go through like eight hours of gameplay. You can have like two games. You can have, okay, this game, it was really, really good. This game was really, really bad. You watch both games, you take notes, you you, you notice these little things that you could be improving hmm. and you just take it day by day. You know, like, as I said, you learn really fast at the start, but when you hit that plateau, like let's say six months in or one year in, um, the pro it just slows down, but as long as you keep on doing those things and you really, really focus on improving and and learning from yourself and from other mm -hmm. players around you, you slowly go up and eventually it just it just keeps going up if that makes sense. But it, it does yeah, slow yeah. down at one point, definitely. And and throughout your career, have you have you ever um, 
sort of had a coach on your side? Not really. Uh, honestly, we had a man. We had some managers when I played on different Overwatch teams where they helped us like book scrims. They recorded our um, our scrims and our games and stuff like that, and they gave us some suggestions. But I never had like a like a proper coach, if that mm. makes sense. I've, I've always I felt like I've always been that guy, uh, especially when it came to to H one and especially when it came to Fortnite. Uh, I was always the the IGL. I was always you know watching vods and watching other teams um mm. we had this discord server called bush paranoia that we ran uh it was me, me and my team basically before we were assigned to method and uh in that discord we uh we had um like different tiers of custom games because we got the first custom games in europe pretty much uh so we had like tier one tier two tier three and tier one was only it was only enough teams to fill an entire server you know we played like three or four days a week we did four or five games and i always went through the vods i made maps of like where all other teams were landing and stuff like that um i was helping mm. my team with the mentality and stuff like that I, I feel like i was always always the coach when it comes to stuff like that uh, i never had like a proper coach that helped us hmm. okay okay do, do you feel like uh, having a coach would help you uh, definitely, I think, because it saves you so much time. Uh, but also finding the right person that you trust uh, and that is that understands the game at the same level as you do, uh, that's also kind of hard, I think. But yeah. having a coach, it saves you so much time and work. I mean, at that point, you just really you just play and you send your vods or your reviews to uh, to the coach, and the coach goes through it instead so you save yourself multiple hours uh during the evening or night and you also have the coach you know doing the scouting work the coach can come and be mm. like this player is really good right now his play style is similar to yours you should learn from him or uh, i saw this tournament this is the new meta you guys should be trying this you know you don't of course you need to do this sort of research yourself you know i do that even if i would have a coach uh, but it saves so much time you know to have someone from the outside actually looking into the game that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, I mean, not having to review your own your own vods and and having someone that can do that for you, for instance, right? That that especially saves you a lot of time, I imagine. Yeah. Um. So let's let's go a little bit um over your career again, um or back to your career rather. At which point? Uh, at which point during your entire sort of uh, playing career did you know that you wanted to pursue something like this professionally? Honestly, it was during my speedrunning days. Like I, I did the Super Mario thing since what February two thousand thirteen, mm. and you know my my goal was uh, you know the first two weeks were just to try it out. Uh, the plan was, like I said, to never do it again, but. Mm. um it turned into something so much bigger and i just kept playing the game daily uh you know i started on, on an emulator then i moved to a wii and the main thing that people play on in, in that community is the nintendo 64 so i eventually got that and when you get a nintendo 64 and you start speedrunning on that when it comes to super mario 64 you know it, it becomes like next level like that's when you actually start taking the game serious and i wanted to be to be one of the best players in the world um and I wanted to really, really grow my stream because it became something so much bigger than that. And mm. um, I guess the real break was when I started focusing on 120 star, which is the most competitive category in that game. You, you collect all the stars, it's essentially 100%. Um, and I started grinding that and it was really rough, um, but I kept at it. And I think during the summer of 2014, 
I average like 500 to 1000 viewers every single stream and by the end of like by the, by the start of 2015 I was top 5 in the world when it comes to 120 star. Mm. Um so yeah, like I think that was my first break where I really really noticed that doing this competitively like at a high level is something that I that I want to do for a long time. Mm. And it was around around the time where I became, I think it was top six or top five, I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, that was towards the end of my speedrunning days, um, like towards the beginning, mid 2015. That's when I quit, and I got my my top five, top six time at the start of 2015. So that that was towards the end, and after that, I I was just looking for the next thing to do. Hmm. Uh, I was just trying to find myself, and the next thing was in this case Overwatch, and which came out a year later after I quit. Got it. And um, and throughout throughout your uh, whole career so far, um, what would you say has been the biggest the biggest challenge for you, uh, kind of making it in the industry? I think it's um, one of the hardest things is just getting at a skill level where other players respect you. Um, mm. You know, getting on a on a really good team and finding the right teammates it's it's actually a really big challenge. I think that's one of the the absolute hardest things to do. Uh, when it came to H1Z1, I, I bounced between multiple teams before I found uh, my team for the $250,000 LAN. In uh, Overwatch, I uh, had multiple teams, um, but I always ended up with somebody leaving the team, uh, somebody getting poached for another team, hmm. um, you know, bad results leading to people wanting to play, to just completely split. Uh, I think it's just it's just really hard to to become that respectable player where good players actually want to play with you. I think that's one of the biggest struggles when it comes to team games. Yep, that makes sense. Um, and uh, and I guess I guess that's a that's a good segue actually to my next question, which is uh, for for a team, you personally, what what do you bring to the table like what's what's your key value that you bring to a team um i think it's my my general mindset and how naturally i take on an in-game leader role i don't think i'm going to be in-game leading in in a game like valorant if i play on on different teams uh i'm gonna leave that to to the people who've been playing counter-strike and been doing it for many many years um but I think it's just just my mental attitude. Like I never tilt when I play with with uh, with the team that I play in. Uh, I'm always so positive. I always push everybody to the to the next level. If that makes sense. If anyone is having a rough game, I make sure that they still bring some sort of value. And I just think it's overall my work ethic as well. Um, mm. You know, during my Fortnite days, you know, I was I was the one doing all the vod reviewing. I was the one scouting all the other teams and. You know, figuring everything out for our team so we could perform on top. Uh, I think that those are the main things that I bring bring to a team. And of course, like I think my own skill is at a very good point because I put so much time into what I do and I really think about what I do. Kind of, it's like it's like a really broad question. I would say I don't really have like one key thing that I bring to a mm. team. I'm more of like an all around player, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. I, but I work very very hard for the teams that I play in, and I make sure that everybody is at like a mental state where they can perform their best i think that's a i think that's a good answer um you know i think it's it's very important 
for for a team to and i think it's hard for for a lot of people uh that that haven't played uh at a professional level to see that but it's obviously very important to have these little things that that bring you an edge over other teams right and obviously <laughs> obviously being in a position where you know where where all of your enemy teams land and things like that having that that key piece of information before the match rather than just in the match uh, that's, I, I think, one of those things that can give you a huge edge. Definitely. I guess, I guess, I've, I've uh, kind of uh, tried to dig into this a little bit. What, for you personally, what has been, if you can pinpoint one thing that has been the absolute biggest hurdle for you, the biggest thing to overcome, to be where you are today? Do you have anything in mind there? I do, I actually do. Um, so during this entire time when I was speedrunning, uh, playing Overwatch, Fortnite, H1, I was always working or going to school. And balancing professional play with work or school is insanely hard. Like, you know, I, I was going to school for eight hours a day, or I was working for eight hours a day, and then you get home and you need to play for, you know, eight to 12 hours a day as well. So overcoming that obstacle and, you know, it comes with negative things such as I was cutting a lot of sleep. I wasn't sleeping mm. enough every night and just balancing both of them, you know, especially when it comes to school. Cause I remember when I got home from school, there was always some things that I always had to do. You know, there was an exam next week, there was homework, there was preparations. And, you know, at the same time I had to game. So most of the things that, that happened was that I did all my schoolwork during the night and I just cut sleep uh, as much as I could. And hmm. it, it was really, really rough. And I remember at one point, um, for the H1Z1 land, the $250,000 land, uh, I was working at the time, full-time. And a month before, we got invited to a practice server with all the invited teams and players for the DreamHack tournament. And this server was only open during American hours. So I basically had to completely flip my sleep schedule in order to hmm. practice for the tournament. So my schedule was something like, I woke up at 7 a.m. I got to work at 8. Uh, I got at home around 6 p.m. I instantly went to bed. I woke up at midnight, played the practice server to 5 a.m., slept for two hours, and then I repeated that for a month. <laughs> it was it was terrible. And, you know, managing those those things while you're professionally gaming, it's it's really, really rough. Uh, and I'm really, really happy to to do this Valorant thing full-time now instead. It's, it's just so nice to... Hmm put all my energy and time into one thing instead of having to balance two things that makes a lot of sense so what about um you know i guess you're still balancing two things in a way right uh since uh since you're still streaming at the same time as you're playing and I, you know i know that a lot of players uh, a lot of pro players don't actually like streaming their gameplay you know they don't want to give away little things things like that a lot of people find it distracting um how do you see that I know I know what other pros mean. Like I'm I'm not a big fan of streaming tournaments or scrims or something like that. Uh, but if I learned in Fortnite that numbers are a massive thing, like your social media presence and your numbers on Twitch, your numbers on YouTube, uh, your social outreach and stuff like that. And you know, at the start of Fortnite, I remember when we signed to Method Scott uh, Sko, he told me that you know I should be streaming way more and I should be doing content. And I told him like. I don't want to do it because I want to focus on being the best that I possibly can and, you know, win all these tournaments coming up. And I actually regret not streaming my tournaments, my scrims and all that because, you know, you can't be a pro forever. And yep. 
you know, most orgs nowadays, they, they really, really care about your numbers. And I know if I, if I would have streamed from day one Fortnite, if I did as much as I do now, it would have been completely different for me. And I would have probably been in a, in a better spot going into Valorant than I am now. But, you know, I'm, I'm super thankful for everything right now. And for sure, I'm not a big fan of scream, streaming like scrims and tournaments and stuff because I, I really don't enjoy giving stuff away. But at the mm. same time, uh, I don't mind because, you know, as I said, numbers are a big thing and I really, really enjoy streaming. I mean, I've been doing it for seven years now and it's just such an enjoyable thing to do. That makes sense. But, but in an ideal world, you know, if I could go around with not streaming and only doing this pro play thing, I would. But uh, knowing how things are right now, uh, it's just not viable. It sort of makes sense, uh, right? I mean, the the streaming portion of of your career is is important in building you as a personality right and uh, as a professional player you need to be more than just a good player right uh, yeah. you need to be sellable uh, to sponsors essentially right <laughs> you need to be someone that people people care about so i think you're lucky in that you are so used to it and that you actually enjoy doing it um because i think a lot of other players probably feel forced um a little bit yeah, I know some orgs, they have, they're having in their contracts that you need to stream for X amount of hours every month. Um, mm. And, you know, if, you, if you're only doing this pro thing and you get forced into doing it, it just it becomes like a chore, you know, it becomes really annoying. Uh, but I guess it makes sense what you're saying is that I'm kind of lucky that I've been doing it for so long because it just comes naturally to me. Like, it's just another day, you know, it's normal for me to hit the start streaming button. Hmm, makes sense. We're obviously trying to find um, find out what what makes you um, what makes you successful and what has made you successful, and uh, I think our listeners especially want to figure out how to how to replicate some of that, right? Yeah. Um, so during during your time, I, I know I've asked about a coach, but do you feel that you've ever had a mentor of any kind, someone that's given you um, advice throughout your career? Um, and if so, would you be willing to share some of that advice? Well, I, I don't think I've ever had like a like a proper mentor, if that makes sense. But hmm. you know, when H one was declining, and um, and I talked with Martin and Silas at Dreamac Winter two thousand seventeen, when when Martin hit me up on Discord, like I've, I've always had um, like I started, I knew Martin Creek from Overwatch, like that was my first connection with him. Uh, he used to play Hearthstone for SK Gaming. Uh, but he he played a bit of Overwatch, and that's how I got to know him, and we played a bit together. But our real friendship started around the time where we started talking Fortnite, and you know he was part of our main team at at the start of Fortnite. You played squads. Uh, we did squads for about six months. We grinded every day, and we were one of the, the absolute best teams in Europe. Like if you talk to any player that actively competed during the first six months of the game, they will talk about. Greasy Boys, which was our name because we landed at Greasy Grove uh, every time. Uh, that place doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. But later on, if you if if you just talk to someone and mention the Method Squad, like people will tell you that we were one of the absolute best teams in Europe. And at that time, we just did it straight out of passion. You know, there was no prize pools, there was no prize money. It was just prestige at that point. And during this entire time, you know, we played with Martin, but eventually, we um, we changed Martin for another player. But Martin was still a core of the team. He was still he was signed to Method, and he was he turned into 
I guess I'm more of like a managerial role and also a coaching role. Like he, he helped me with so much throughout my career. Uh, you know, both mental advice, um, you know, later on when, when Epic Games announced solos and duos, when we stopped squatting with each other, he gave me advice with, uh, you know, what to think about when it comes to new teammates and what I should be doing with my career. Um, and then Silas also helped me so much um, when it comes to contracts and finding, you know, the right org and the right home to stay with. Uh, he's always helped me with that kind of stuff and and what to really think about when... Uh, when reaching out in different social medias, you know, what to think about when I'm streaming, uh, what to think about when I'm tweeting, when I'm when I'm contacting different companies or when I get different emails. Uh, so do, I think Martin Creek and Silas have played a big, big part um, when it comes to, to just helping me out throughout my career uh, ever since I started playing Fortnite. But I don't think I really have like specific, specific advice. Um... I'm trying. I'm just trying to think because it's such a broad question. Again, I'm just trying to pinpoint exactly mm. uh, what you know specific things that they've told me about uh, that have helped me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a broad question because um, because I think if there's something that has stood out to your in, to you in your career, then that would instantly pop out to you in your mind, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, you know, uh, if there isn't anything specific uh, that uh, has stood out to you that other people have told you, then maybe maybe you have you know a couple of pieces of advice. Let's make it three, uh, if you can come up with three uh, that you would give to other people when it comes to you know improving their gameplay or maybe just generally uh, when it comes to becoming a pro player. So one thing that I always talk about with my teammates or when I'm playing with someone new uh, or just discussing esports and the game overall, like this is outside of playing, is that I tell people that 50% of the game is your own mentality. Like you're, you're, mm. you know, if you go into a match thinking you're going to lose, you're most likely going to lose the game. Uh, or if you start tilting or if mid game, you know, someone makes a weird play and you're like, nah, it's GG, we lost the game, you know. It's not over until you see victory or defeat on your screen. Until that text pops up, there's still always a chance and you know my mindset is 50% of the game in my opinion if if you have the right mindset and you're confident in yourself you you can do a lot of things that you don't think you can do if that makes sense you know mm. um yep. you know i i've done a lot i actually studied psychology for 6 months and i love uh reading about psychology and stuff especially when it comes to sports um because you can apply so much of that into competitive gaming and I know that, like, you know, if you're not confident in what you're doing, you, um, it leads to different feelings, such as, you know, you get frustrated, you feel scared. And if you're, if you're scared going into a match, you know, especially into a tournament or a game where, uh, when there's big stakes on the line, you know, you're going to play differently. And, you know, when you're scared, um, you know, we as human beings, we, 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 we get tilted if things don't go our way and we get frustrated overall. And, you know, as soon as you get frustrated or as soon as you get tilt, uh, tilted, it affects your mental game and you're not playing the same game as if you were feeling confident. So I think the mind and the brain is it's, it's 50% of the game. Honestly, you can be the best, the best mechanically skilled player in the game. You can be the, you know, frag the hardest, you can have the best aim, but if your mind is not with you, you're not going to make it anywhere. Fully agree. Uh, I think that 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 is one of the main things that I always talk about. I know we were supposed to make like a top three, but 
I think that your mindset and how you think uh, in and out of the game is it's so so important, honestly. Hmm. Um, and then I guess another thing, the second thing we can take is that if you really really want to compete at the highest level and you want to do it as a pro, you need to take most of the things you do serious. Like it's there's no point in trolling and throwing games and wasting time by doing other things you know some people they you know it's fine i i fully I, I i do this myself you know i like playing with my friends and just having fun games but as soon as you go into a ranked game mode or as soon as you you scrim against other teams or play in a tournament at that point you know you should you should take it very very serious and you shouldn't do plays or or you know do things in game that you consider fun you should do it because you know things work and that is how things are supposed to be done uh, so taking things very very serious when it matters is is i guess number two hmm. and number three is be consistent with what you do i think um you know if you actually want to compete at a really high level you know even if you want to even if you want to improve just let's say you don't want to be a pro but you want to be an above average player and you just want to feel like you're you're better than others at a game and you want to climb like a, a rank ladder uh, having some sort of consistent schedule where you do the same things every day helps so much. You know, sleeping right, eating right is is part of the game as well. And also, you know, you don't need 8 to 12 hours a day to, to improve and get better at a game. I mean, if you have 4 hours, as long as you use that time effectively, you, you can really get good at a game. You know, you might not make it to a professional level, but you can get really, really good. For For the players that maybe don't have any any ambitions of being pro but uh but just want to be want to be really good at a game how how would you what's kind of the 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 one thing that you feel they should keep in mind or you should do it, i just go back to the mindset thing honestly if you're just playing for mm. fun but you want to improve at the same time as long as you have the right mindset where you don't tilt you learn from every mistake and whenever you want you know if you're playing for fun you're most likely also watching a lot of streams because you if you if you play one or two games you you have your personalities and you have good players that you enjoy watching uh you know just taking small notes from their streams you know if they make a play or if they do a small move you know maybe in your next game mm. you can try that out and just just have a learner's mindset i think that is one of the the biggest things you can have a lot of fun you can mess around with your friends but if you learn from everything you do and you have a learner's mindset from from the start you can you can improve so much even as a casual player okay that, yeah that makes a lot of sense uh what about um game specific do you uh you know obviously uh we're all excited about valorant and is there any any game specific advice for for the valorant players out there uh that that you you can give i feel like um People compare, a lot of people compare the game a lot to Overwatch, right? Because, you know, the game has abilities. Uh, some of them are very similar to Overwatch. But the main thing about Valorant compared to Overwatch is the main focus of the game is on the gunplay. You know, you use your abilities as utility. And I feel like a lot of people focus too much on using their abilities right now instead of just focusing on actually shooting the the enemies or, you know, the opponents. Because uh, yep. as I said, you know, the, the big focus is on the gunplay and you know if somebody comes from an overwatch background they're going to focus on the abilities and you know they're going to run around with with smokes in their hands with with molotovs in their hands and then suddenly they you know suddenly they they just die because they're not shooting back if that makes mm -hmm. sense so i think yep. focusing on the gunplay and the aim at the start and trying to understand different timings how angles work how peaking is when you have the peaker's advantage when you don't 
uh, when you should be pushing, when you should be defending, when you should ro rotate from one side to another, you know, just understanding the gunplay and the actual game, I think that is crucial at the start and just using your abilities when you think that the situation is right for it, but prioritizing your gun. Uh, you know, there's this uh, there's this unwritten rule that every every Counter Strike player knows, where uh, you should never ever use a grenade if you're in a one on one. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that applies here too. Pretty much. I mean, as long as you know, if you get caught with a grenade in your hand when your opponent has a rifle up, you're dead ten out of ten times. So. Yep, for sure. Okay. Um, no, I think that's I think that's very good advice. It's always weird to see this comparison to Overwatch. Uh, I don't uh, I don't personally see see much of the of the similarity with Overwatch. To me, it's it's really it's really Counter Strike. Yeah, same. I just think uh, the art style, like a lot of people compare that to Overwatch, but I think the mm. the art style is more comparable to Team Fortress Two actually, because I know that one of the main art directors from TF Two he he worked on the art and everything for this game, so. If you look hmm. at if you look at Team Fortress Two and then you go back to Valorant, like there's so many similarities. It's actually insane. Mm. That makes sense. I mean, uh, it's it's also the art style. I, what I like about the art style, and I think you you sort of had this in Team Fortress Two as well, is that the characters stand out a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, they have a, they have an outline and the details of the characters. You know, it's 2020. There will be some details, but they didn't focus on on making them a lot of, like very detailed because their mindset is that you know when when action is going on and people are moving you don't really see the small details so it's very it's mm. very simple and i really really like it no me too let's go back to you a little bit though there's one one big question that i have for you which is what would you say is your biggest achievement to date oh wow uh <laughs> that was pretty i don't know i actually don't know like i, I consider myself playing in the solo finals and teams finals of the two hundred fifty thousand dollar LAN was pretty big um getting signed to method was actually a really really big thing for mm. me because that was my first proper org if that makes sense um it was my first home and i i played with them for over two years so i think that was a massive achievement um Playing at TwitchCon 2018 in San Jose was massive for me because I'd never been to America. It was my first time there. Uh, it was absolutely insane. It was really, really fun. Uh, I played at um, IAM Katowice 2019 in Poland as well. Uh, I did pretty good in that, both in the solos and in the duos. I finished top 15 in both, I think, uh, which is pretty insane. Um, what else? Uh, I played at Dream Act Tours. Uh, it was kind of close to Paris. That was my first time competing in another country. Uh, it was mm. my first time flying. That was in 2018. Pretty insane. Uh, so I don't really have like one big thing that stands out. It's more of, you know, multiple things. And um, what about the future? Uh, what is what is something that you really want to achieve? What's your what's your big dream? I just want to keep on doing this full time, to be honest. Like right now, I'm really, really focusing on myself and getting as good as I possibly can while mm. growing my stream. Uh, so I'm hoping that the stream keeps growing and that things go good in that sense. But the ultimate goal is to play uh, Valorant at a professional level uh, again. Got it. And, uh, you know, find a new home to get signed to and just, just compete. Because that's what I really, really love doing. And I, I really wish that I can do that full time too. 
so is that uh, to you is that the next step then getting getting signed by an org yeah. finding a team to consistently play with exactly finding a team uh practicing a lot you know catching up to all the good counter-strike players because they have a massive edge right now uh most of the best teams in the world are you know they're they are counter-strike players uh and if they they're not all counter-strike players they have at least two or three players who have a counter-strike mm. background um and catching up to them is the biggest challenge in valorant right now but yeah the ultimate goal right now is to find a team uh, find a new home and then just keep doing this full time okay i think that's a that's a that's a pretty clear goal pretty clear path forward yeah i have a I have one one last question for you, and then uh, I have a couple of uh, fun questions that we like to ask everyone towards the end of every episode. <laughs> All right. But uh, my, my my last question for you personally is actually regarding your uh, sort of routines and habits. Do you do you have any kind of routine when you when you go into a tournament before a tournament or even before a match? Uh, not really. Like if I know that I have a tournament, I just um. I like going outside before, you know, getting fresh air is really, really nice. And then I just make sure that I have a full glass of water next to me. Other than that, I don't really have a big routine. I just, you know, if if it's if mm. it's a really big game, if it's a, an important round or something like that, I just take a couple of deep breaths and that does the work for me. Okay. Very, very simple. Very straightforward. Good advice to stay hydrated for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Like having a glass of water, you know. <laughs> If you die mid-round or if there's a small break, just having that glass of water, man, it's really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, it also helps with nervousness, actually. Yeah, uh, if you If you do get nervous. Um, okay, so let's let's move into the fun questions. Um, one of them, and and this one's particularly relevant for you because um, obviously you you have played solo. Uh, you know, you have played Fortnite uh, solos as well. You you have played in teams, so. Um, if you had the choice, um, you know, if, if there was a genie in a bottle in front of you right now and you, you had this wish to choose from, would you rather win 10,000 euros solo as a solo player or 50,000 euros as a team, given that, you know, you still get the same share? 50,000 euros as a team, 100%, because winning with a team is so much better than winning alone. Uh, we recently won the... Um g2 esports invitational in valorant hmm. so it was a price pool of ten thousand euros and we got two thousand euros each hmm. um and uh just winning with the team you know that winning feeling having you know everyone you know we went in the in the grand finals we it was a best of three uh valorant is played first to 13 rounds and first game it was an overtime that we lost so we were zero one uh second game i think was 13 11 to us and last game was also an overtime game where we won. And overtime in Valorant, it's only one round. And, you know, going through that grand finals, you know, it went on for like two and a half hours of mm. nonstop gaming and keeping our mindset up and, you know, hyping each other up when, when things aren't looking that great because we had to do some insane comebacks. I mean, losing game one in overtime and then being down a couple of rounds towards the end of game two... Uh, it got us a bit mentally, but we all just kept hyping each other up and we wanted to win so much more than the enemy team. Mm. And then when we won, you know, hearing everyone pop off, everyone screaming, everyone being hyped, you know, it's it's a completely different feeling than winning alone. So that hundred percent I would I would rather win as a t- win win money as a team or just win as the team than winning alone. It, it's it's so much 
it better and and it's i don't know i get so happy by just winning with others to mm. be honest that makes a lot of sense um i mean it's a it's a very different atmosphere definitely because you work so hard to get it with others you know it's not it's not only you it's everyone else yep 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 for sure and um my last question for you is um if if you were given one tweet that's guaranteed to go viral what what would you what would you post <laughs> putting me on the spot i've actually i've never thought about this ever <laughs> uh that's a good one man that's a good one i i have actually no clue i can I can I ask you the same question? What would you do? Honestly, what what would you tweet, Phil? I'm, Tell me. I'm the one, I'm the one asking the questions here. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. I wow. I have no clue, man. I I actually have no idea. I've never I never thought about this in my entire life, man. <laughs> Let's talk through it a little bit, okay? So, uh you have the option to uh, to make a a statement, right? Uh, a political one, a religious one, if you if you want to, an ideological one, you know, something serious. Um, you have the option to, um, you know, put yourself out there, become famous in in, in a way, uh, for even if just for five minutes. Uh, you have the option to, um, you know, m- meme, <laughs> as as I probably would, to be honest. I think a meme a meme tweet would probably be the best thing to do. I think because I don't know I, I don't I don't like be like being political or or religious or anything like that in social media. So I, I'm more of the meme person if that makes sense. So I'm more I'm more on the same line as you. But mm. what kind of meme? I actually have no clue. I think it would have to do like with I actually don't know exactly what I would go with, but it would be more like it would be like a meme or like a funny tweet in a way. 100%, but exactly what? I, I can't, man. I, I actually have no clue what I would tweet. I think I would need to decide that in the heat of the moment, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the the fact that you chose the meme, you know, that, that, says, <laughs> that says a lot about you as a person and probably me. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, you know, we're given that one chance to, to change the world and we use it to meme, which maybe changes the world. I mean, memes have a positive uh, influence on many people so i just think that like a like a social or like political tweet would help that much to be honest like it would maybe help for like a day but you know if anything maybe maybe tweeting something about donating to a charity or something could work too you know if, if there's mm. something going on you know if there's something really really bad going on i mean right now we have the covid situation right uh if you can yep. do something that could change the everything you know if, if, a, if a tweet goes vi- viral that means that it has like a reach of millions of people right and yep. if you can change other people's life lives through a tweet, then 100% I would do that too. That makes sense. But I don't know how much text, you know, can I actually change the world, if that makes sense. Because, I, I mean, a tweet has limited characters too. So. Exactly. It's, <laughs> there's definitely limited use. And, you know, uh, when, you, when, you make a, when you make a million people laugh or smile because uh, you, you made a meme that went viral, you've probably changed millions of people's lives too, at least for a moment. Definitely. So I want to give you I want to give you the floor for a minute before we uh, wrap things up. Um, you know, if there's anything that you want to say to the audience, anything that we we didn't bring up, um, 
and obviously, you know, share, uh, share your socials, you know, where can people find you and all of that stuff? Uh, please go ahead. All right. So first of all, I'm super thankful to be on this podcast. I've actually never done anything like this before. Uh, I've been interviewed in the past, but I've never had like a like a sit down, if that makes sense, on, on an actual podcast. More, more, most of it has been in, in real life at events. Uh, so this has been actually a really cool experience. It would be fun to do in the future as well. Uh, I actually really like talking about esports, you know, balling with ideas back and forth. Uh, I think we had a really good talk throughout this entire session. And... Um, mm. You know, hopefully, hopefully the listeners uh, find some value out of this, and and they uh, they find some new ideas, both from my story and also from all the questions that you asked uh, and your input on everything. Uh, so so yeah, I really enjoyed this, and I stream every single day almost at Twitch.tv/noisy. And if anybody wants to be updated with what I do, they can always find me on Twitter, and my Twitter handle right now is at methodnoisy. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Esports Odyssey. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow Challenger Mode on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, where we announce all new episodes and share podcast-related news. You'll find all of our socials in the show notes. Feel free to email us at podcast at if you have any questions from this or any other episodes, or if you would like to learn more about Challenger Mode and what we do.